All right, and welcome to another edition of Beckett Radio. I'm your host, Derek Ficken. We have a lot to get to, so let's get started. Got uh, live products and pricing going on this week. We've got a lot happening. Allen and Ginter, Prestige Football, Panini Preferred Basketball, and Panini Spectra Basketball. That's coming out in the next week. As far as pricing goes, we have a lot. Bowman Football is pretty much done, so definitely check that out on your OPGs on uh, Beckett.com. SPX football is currently being priced. Select basketball is going to be priced later this week. Panini Hot Rookies football, Bowman Inception baseball, Top Series 2 baseball, and finally, SP Authentic hockey. So a lot of pricing going on, uh, but, you know, we're trying to knock it out here and there. So definitely check it out on Beckett.com. Now, we have a pretty good interview. Uh, Chris Olds is the Beckett Baseball and Sports Card Monthly Editor here, and uh, he kind of knows what he's talking about. But uh, we're going to have him on talking about group breaks, case breaking, because Beckett Auctions did their first case break with uh, 2014 Prestige Football. Uh, It went extremely well, lots of great hits, uh, some pretty cool mem cards in there. So if you want to check it out, uh, go to their Twitter page. I know they have a link to see the replay of the video. I think it was an hour, hour and a half. Uh, I broke some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool packs, and it was a lot of fun. So definitely check that out. But uh, yeah, we had Chris Olds on, and it was a pretty good idea to uh, get his take on the madness that is group breaking. So check him out and see what he has to say. All right, now next up we have a special guest. He is the baseball and I guess sports card monthly editor. True, is that correct? But the special part probably applies better. Okay, gotcha. I'm well, <laughs> Mr. Chris Olds, what's up, man? Um, my blood pressure? Not really. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. It's it's a Wednesday, so it's it's yeah. a, the Wednesday's up. You know what's up next for me? What's that? Probably the card shop. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with a little. So that's that might be a little shopping. Up. You know. But uh, so, you know, group breaking is is becoming this huge phenomenon. I, I don't know if it's like that. It, it's been here for, for a, a couple little while. Of years. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are getting some flack f- for it. And I want to get your take on it. Just just as a personal opinion, you know, as someone who knows a lot about the hobby, which you do. Some days. Some days. Not Wednesdays, though. Not, probably not Wednesdays. Yeah, so so we probably shouldn't. Yeah, we probably shouldn't have done this interview, but yeah. it's all good. I haven't had any caffeine yet either. Oh, that's no Mountain See, Dew. Get me, get me wired up. Yeah. This would be much better. <laughs> well, next time I'll remember that. Yeah, but. You gotta, you hit so, me up. So, anyway. <laughs> so, group breaking is uh, Beckett Auctions going to do it uh, on Wednesday. Uh, prestige football. So, that's a big deal. But uh, a lot of people are talking negatively about it. But there are obviously a lot of positives because y- you can get rid of you know your scrub cards, the cards that you don't want, and just pay for what you really are s- looking for. What in some breaks, w- it, yeah, in some <laughs> breaks. What what is your overall general consensus about group breaking in the hobby? Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things where breaking is kind of a different new frontier, so yeah. to speak. And I think it allows some people to get precisely what they want, or a chance at something they what a chance at something they want, uh, perhaps more easily than it would be just randomly buying boxes or even singles. Mm. And what I mean by that is, for myself and it, as a practical example, um, the first group break I did was this massive, and I've only done maybe five or six. Um, it was this massive wall of wax. I like to talk about that jokingly, but they'll. This one particular deal was like, you know, a box of Panini America's Pastime, a box of Five Star, a box of 
um, two boxes of Prism Draft, two boxes of Bowman. It was like 12 wax boxes in one break. Oh, wow. So, and it was variety. Yeah. And so, you know, what happens, and I don't know if people need to be refreshed on what this is, actually, but for example, you can buy a specific team. So say someone's opening a case of Bowman Draft and you want the Yankees, you can buy that team straight up and pay X amount for it. Or you can do group breaks where they're random. So you mm. pay a lower price and everybody has a random chance at any team. So say you want Chris Bryant or uh, uh, Jose Abreu, you know, you yeah. hope for the Cubs or the White Sox in an inception break, for example. Yeah. So you pay less for a chance at a larger amount of boxes, contents of whatever team you got. Yeah, yeah. So in essence, what it is, in my mind, it's, it's a chance, a more economic chance, but more of a chance at getting something good where you may not want to buy that much wax. Mm -hmm. So for, for my practical standpoint, with wax box prices being so high these days and a lot of products, I think that, that is the alluring factor is that you can get a different kind of brand that you wouldn't buy in potentially in volume if you get lucky. So it's a little bit of a gamble, but for myself, I've only done it five, six times, and I've always picked stuff where I think there's a pretty reasonable chance I'm not going to get yeah. nothing. Yeah. Now, you know, we talked literally a couple seconds ago about, you know, gambler versus collector. I believe that it's all for gamblers, but you had a different opinion, Yeah. you know, as far as the gambler versus collector in this type of... Well, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that there's a gambling aspect to cards in general. Yeah. I don't like to tra tout that, but it's the reality of yeah. one hit per box or one hit per case or whatever. But... um you know, for, to me, this is, like I said, this is the chance. Like, I would never buy a box of five-star uh, or uh, National Treasures, but I have a couple of National Treasures cards at home because I bought into a group break of National Treasures. Mm -hmm. So that's a $400, $500 box I would never buy. But I, I think I paid $50, $60 bucks for a team in a case, which was four boxes times whatever number of cards. You know, so I looked at that and said, all right, 24, 25 spots, you know, 60 bucks. I should have a reasonable chance at something. And that's, that's how I always look at it, is I don't want to get nothing for my money. That's why I've been hesitant. I had never done a group break until recently. You know, so for me, it's, it's more like, I like, it's just like when I buy cards elsewhere. I sit there and look at the odds, crunch the numbers, and go, what's my reasonable worst return versus my reasonable, you know, best return? And yeah. I sit there and go, all right, well, this looks palatable to me for the price. And the price is a big thing. So like I said, you know, if something's too expensive, I'm not going to buy it, period. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm not going to, you know, if I want something bad enough, I'll wait and buy the single card. But, you know, for example, with, with National Treasures Football, I really don't have a key player or team that I chase. So, I you know, I was like, eh, let's try this. So, you know, back to the gambler-collector angle. To me, you know, I think it depends on why you're buying and what you're buying and what you intend to do with it after you get something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you, if you, you know, like I got the Eagles and I have a couple of National Treasures Eagles cards. Had I hit the mother load, I probably would have tried to resell the card. But my intent never really is to buy a box hoping I hit the mother load and have something to sell because yeah. I just don't think that's a win. Yeah. Most of the time it's not. Um, so, you know, big picture. I think it ultimately, it does appeal to both camps, mm -hmm. collector types, gambler types, but I think it just matters what they intend to do with it in yeah. terms of the, you know, the what it is factor. It, yeah. Now, in the future, obviously this isn't going to go away. In, in my opinion, I think it's just going to get <laughs> unless bigger. They're just, unless the PayPals of the world and the Ebays of the world you know, decide they don't want to help this that trend out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if it doesn't go that way, could you see companies like Tops, Panini, Upper Deck get in on this craze 
of group breaking and either, I mean, just sponsoring it indirectly or actually doing it themselves. Right. You know, what do you think about that? Um, their, their licensing, le- their, their deals with the leagues probably prevent that. Okay. I don't think they're allowed to sell straight to the public in, yeah. that, in that way. Who knows? Maybe down the line things will change. Um, I don't think the trend is that big to where they're. Re- I mean, maybe they're looking at it, but I wouldn't think that they are. You know, but some companies, I believe Panini has a program where group breakers can buy wax straight from them, uh, but they have to have you know a storefront or something. I know that the local card shop here has talked about doing group breaking as part of their you know events and things to get people into the shop. Yeah, I don't think they've. They, I think they did one, but I don't know if they've done any since then. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it would be smart for card shops to try this, and, yeah. and, and in both ways, both with new product and old. So th- think about this. Say you're a card shop sitting there with 10 boxes or whatever that just didn't sell, and you're basically eating it. You're sitting there going, I paid 50, 60 bucks a box, and the eBay, the going market rate for this stuff is below the cost of what I paid for it. Yeah. A lot of shops will let it sit there until somebody buys it, mm-hmm. and then oftentimes those shops don't exist much longer because <laughs> yeah. their, their money is sitting on the shelf exactly. going nowhere. But what if you're a smart you know, you're a smart dealer? Rather than taking those, those boxes and putting them on your discount table and selling them for a loss or break-even money, why not take that and turn that into an event at your shop and you know group break it? So you, you find 30 collectors who are interested. They pay X amount. for their team and you sit there and rip the stuff in person right when everybody's watching odds are if you do it right the right way if there's enough interest with your clientele you'll break even or Mm -hmm. you'll cover that cost or you might even make a profit Mm -hmm. and that ultimately why is a lot of those group breakers are around because they can make a profit this way and so well as long as they're paying their taxes and doing all that kind of stuff (laughs) i think it's not a problem now there are potential problems oh yeah and we're not going to get into it but well that's why i've been hesitant to even do them myself because there's too many potential problems exactly you know, with eBay and all that stuff, it's it's very risky. You know, oh, high risk. There have been people who have complained about how camera feeds get spliced and videos yeah. get manipulated to where good cards get pulled. And oh, there's a tech problem. Sorry, hold on. I mean, there's been a lot of accusations yeah. in the past, and that so. that just that just shouldn't happen. You well, know what I mean? It, it's it cards sucks. for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, with that said, how could they make this into a legit profitable? You know almost new hobby you know oh, there's no doubt it already is for people yeah um, both in terms of people that buy in different ways for example i was on a group break the other night where a guy i think i think in the little chat room he said he was returning to collecting and, and you know he got the houston astros i think in the break all right well it turns out he got a Markapel red refractor auto out of five okay so that's a thousand dollar yeah hey look welcome, welcome back. back you know welcome <laughs> yeah. back gift you know i mean there's only four other people who even have one or yeah. could have one presuming yeah. they're not sitting in wax packs so you know that was the thing he paid 40 bucks and got a thousand dollar card in return yeah i mean i did a group break recently where i think we mentioned it in our box busters video you were in you know i did a score hot rookies or panini hot rookies yeah that's a case right. break yeah i paid 45 50 bucks less than a typical wax box less than half the price of that wax box yeah. in particular and the collation was rough to where i got five copies of the same card and the card was one per box so yeah. in a 14 box case i got six or f- uh yeah six five of five one team one of another because i had a combo slot i got half the case um these cards are one per box so i got half of the the case's amount in my group break for less than the price of half of a box yeah so if things get stupid you might get really lucky flip side of that is you might be one of those other teams where i'm sitting there laughing getting all these cool cards and you got nothing yeah (laughs) I mean, that happens, you know, yeah. but, but how, how does, how does this, you know, take a step further? I think card companies probably are going to start catering in terms of how they build their products in this area. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of products.
decks where there's fewer base cards, more hits. That's always been the, a trend regardless of group breaks, but I think you may see a trend where now, rather than catering to just the best teams and leaving those kind of ugly teams in the, on the on the bench, yeah. they may put some of those lesser teams in too. You know, I could see a product where, you know, it's something that's hit-based and every team has an equal number of hits. You know, so now really that's more enticing to a group breaker because every slot could be sellable in that way. You know, in recent years, the Houston Astros up until this year with prospects, you know, they're a team where nobody, honestly, not to take this personally, Houston fans, you know who you are. <laughs> th- there's not that much interest in those players. Yeah, yeah. There's the the players from the past, but the players right now, there's there's not yeah. that many collectible players. So you'd see fewer Houston Astros cards in products. Yeah. Now that they've got George Springer and Carlos Correa and these other prospects that are up and coming or in the majors, you're going to see more of them because those players have appeal. Um, you know, so it I think it may affect how products get built. It's just a matter of how savvy some of these card companies can be. It'll be really interesting to see where this takes us, you know, as as a as an industry, you know. It um, could help. It, I mean, I think it's probably definitely helped uh, spur some volume of sales because you sit there and watch a group break where they shred a case in 20 minutes, and that's not their only case they're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and some card shops, you know, they may not sell a case of some product in a week. Meanwhile, you sell it $30 increments or $50 increments, you could burn through four or five cases. In fact, today being Wednesday, the uh, you know the day before this is posted, today's the release day of Allen and Ginter. You're yeah. going to see live case breaks of Ginter all day long. Yeah. You know? So. Well, yeah, like, you know, Prestige, we're doing it, came yeah. live today, and right. they're going to pick it up now, you know? And yep. I mean, it'll be, you know, like I said, interesting to see where it takes us, you it, know? Ultimately, it, it comes down to what makes a successful card shop. Yeah. And it, that, that sort of parallels what makes a successful group-breaking experience. You know, it's 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 on the dealer-seller side, it, it, it comes down to, like, basically paying attention to details and being yeah. smart, you know, figuring out ways to entice and make sure that, even if something doesn't happen positively, people get something or there's an experience factor that is appealing to yeah. them to come back and keep doing it. Well, I mean, like, shouldn't card shops, if they're still out there, jump on this bandwagon? Because, honestly, it, yeah. there's there's nothing negative about it for a card shop, well, you know? Well, for a shop itself, they could do it a couple ways. They could, you know, a good card shop these days probably has a Facebook page. Yep. They they might have a Twitter account, although there aren't doesn't seem to be as many. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but those those are both platforms to get people into your store by talking about what's there or yeah. talking about what's been found or what's been pulled. You know, a good shop has those platforms and has that audience. I mean, they have their regulars anyway. They have their clientele. It's just a matter of how do they get more. Yeah. You know, the dumb Owen Wilson movie, The Internship, right? <laughs> yeah. Did you see it? No. There's I, a final scene where they're trying to sell Google and all its quirks and its features to this old school family pizza shop, right? Well, they walk in, the guy's like, I don't need to change. Yeah. And, you know, the line or one of the lines or the sentiment of the line, because I'm not going to get it right in that movie, is, well, we don't want you to ch- leave the neighborhood. We want your neighborhood to get bigger. And the same thing applies to technology and card shops. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of shops that don't embrace it. There's some shops where you walk in and the guy that runs it doesn't even talk to you when you walk in the door, um, you know, or they're too busy sorting cards or watching their game they place to bet on. I mean, yeah. I've seen it. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where a good, successful card shop could easily add this to their repertoire and either move some dead inventory or move more new inventory. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm going to compare this, but, you know, when eBay came out, it killed a lot of shops. It did, but but there's successful shops at the same time, like Nick's here in Dallas, who doesn't yeah. even, 
He doesn't use eBay at all. Oh, period. really? He's anti. He's not really anti eBay, but he just doesn't use it. Yeah. But what, on the flip side, there, what that does do, it keeps better inventory in his stock in his shop, where people that come in to wheel and deal will buy those cards and then sell them on eBay themselves. There's a lot of ways you can go with that. Yeah, you know, and I was just thinking, you know, if if you have if you are a card shop and you have dead in inventory that's been sitting there forever and it's obviously not going to sell, right. put on a group break online, you Correct. know, on one of these For, hosting yeah. stations, you know, like locally. I mean, like talking about practically the Knicks example here to, yeah. just to keep with that. If every once in a while they'll do a, a discount table where they just want to get rid of stuff and move it and they put it down probably equaling what they paid for it, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But they're also pretty savvy in that they have programs for kids. Like if they get good grades, they bring in the report card and get a free grab bag every semester. Uh, they sell little grab bags anyway with, their, with a pack and a mem card or a hit inside. And, uh, you know, say basic tops once you're a year or two removed, there's not a lot of interest in a basic flagship pack so they also use those boxes for grab bags and things or those packs for you know those kind of things so you know these shops if they're good they're already doing it but this is definitely another way to add something to the mix i have no questions there it it should be something people do now what do you think would happen if like what would the steps i don't know how to word this correctly but if this doesn't i guess fly off and be the successful thing what would be the reason why? Like eBay and PayPal, the higher ups would just step yeah. in and say, "You can't do it." Well, you know. technically, you don't even need you don't need eBay and PayPal to yeah. do it. Like, say you're a card shop. If you have 15, 20 people interested, mm -hmm. pay up right then and there. You, yeah. you don't need those things, but yeah. online with streaming videos and websites and such, you do need those things because that's pretty much the norm these yeah. days. You know, the regulation so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, uh, regulatory uh, changes or laws per se. I, that could lead to changes for this, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's uncharted territory because, frankly, if it was definitely not kosher, I don't think it'd still be happening because yeah. it's, been, it's been around for a couple of years. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, um, no, but so... But there are things. I'll say this part. I'm not a big fan of razzes. Like, yeah. I do not use any group breakers that use razzing. I don't use group breakers that use... Um, just sit there and yell at their their streaming group chat until they're selling all their slots. Yeah, <laughs> I use one one breaker. I'll go ahead and mention his name, Rich, Rich Layton. Uh, Shout he, out, Rich Layton, LaytonSportsCars.com. I think is his site. Yeah, he has a storefront. He has a store. First off, he has a real shop. Yeah. I don't know how big it is. I've never been there. It's in New Jersey, but he has a store. He has a website where basically, if I want to buy a group slot, I click on it, and it's like I'm buying a wax box. I click on it and I pay. Yeah. And then I watch the video whenever they have a calendar. So whenever it comes up, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, mm -hmm. that's when you need to be there. And so that's when I watch. So it's kind of a very interactive thing. So if, you know, for example, the experience of doing it, you know, I'll sit there and watch a case or two in a, in a night and yeah. I may only have bought into one. And, but it's this, the ability to see everything that's coming out. And obviously you have a chance at that if you, if you happen to have that team that could have been yours, but if you didn't, hopefully you got something. He also had some fun. And in his case, you know, if you do happen to get nothing, he he still sends you some packs or some hits of something oh, that's else. Cool. Yeah. And he also gives you a discount code for a later purchase if you want to go that direction. Yeah. So that's to me where at least at least if if I did a group break and got nothing, and that's never happened actually for me in my handful of times. Basically, it just comes down to as long as I feel like I'm getting something for my money, and I do, yeah. it's not really a negative experience because it's fun, it's interesting to watch, and it's just something that I do. Granted, there's probably people out there that do it too much mm -hmm. and probably don't yeah. <laughs> do it economically <laughs> and responsibly, um, but that's kind of the nature of this entire hobby. Has, has it always had a negative 
not a negative connotation, but I had all those haters behind it. Because um, I, I haven't been following it that right. much, you know. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But it, <laughs> I'm bringing it back. No, but it seems like more often nowadays, it's, it's more negative than positive. Do you think it's because of big guys like Beckett? blow out they're starting to get into it um or is it just the you know nah, people I, that are doing the raz whatever yeah, it's called the raz thing i'm just not into that's yeah. where basically they raffle off i'll say it i think that's a raffle they'll sit there and say i have a 200 dollars card hey the next 10 people who send me money you have a chance at it i'm not yeah. a fan of that yeah it just doesn't seem as i don't know it just doesn't seem as orderly yeah, yeah, yeah. um it, it's not professional it, it, a little yeah, amateur degree, that's kind of how i feel about yeah. that I, I i think i think with the hobby and online in particular there are, there are always people who sit there and poke holes and yell and scream and create conspiracies when there aren't any yeah. so gotta get do that I traffic think it's, do i think it's always been there um eh, i don't know i mean i honestly i think group breaking has been around probably longer than we think it just wasn't as to the forefront mm-hmm. you know i think that there's probably some people out there have been doing it for a while and now it's just becoming more and more common so that more people are trying it exactly. and more people try it and fail yeah. and you never hear from them again that's the other you know drawback you want to make sure you're buying from someone who's actually going to send you the <laughs> cards you bought and paid yeah for. that would be important you know, i mean and, but you know that's the danger of anything on the internet ebay whatever these days i mean you're always at the mercy of someone being credible and you know respectable enough to send what you paid for yeah exactly um you know so has the negative or baggage always been there probably i remember hearing stories back in the jim beckett days way long ago where before the internet there were conspiracies that you know they're really funny that you know his sons had card shops so that's why prices changed and things like that meanwhile i don't think he has any sons yeah (laughs) you know so the cynical the cynicism in the stories and the the chatter it's always been out there and i'm sure it always probably will be yeah well you know it's always an interesting topic and you know i mean i i don't know I wasn't doing this topic just because Beckett's hosting. I wanted to get it, get it good, going. Yeah, it's a good talking point. And yeah. a good it's thing. a good I mean, discussion piece for yeah. a, a bunch of people. And I think it would be cool to get round a roundtable, you know, with yeah. you, Brian, and a couple other guys. Maybe even have, you know, from Nick's, or, yeah. you know, get, get a hobby shop guy's uh, opinion on or it. Or even Tracy Hackler from yeah. America, right? I, yeah, it would be interesting to get, you know, you, Brian... Tracy or someone from the car company and then someone from a hobby shop yeah. all together to talk about this because I think it is the future of trading cards, really. Um, to a degree, I, I, yes. Not, it, can, it can definitely it, supplement. Yeah, it's it's not the future, but is yeah. it is a part of the of the overall future. Well, there have been people who are former insider slash employees of card companies who aren't there anymore where you, they kind of wonder why don't the card companies start selling straight to the public. And yeah. to a degree, they are. Yeah. But the, the card companies also need distributors and dealers out there, too. You yeah. know, they need Walmart and Target, too. You know, they yeah. need all those things because you can't just put all your eggs in the one basket in terms of, oh, we're just going to sell straight to the public on our own website now. Yeah. That creates problems. Or even, or even you know, I, if I was a card company, I would be kind of cautious about embracing one little area too much. You know, yeah. would I go all in on group breaks? No, because I don't want to alienate my other constituency, so to speak. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the right word. Yeah, big word like for that. me. Um, you <laughs> it's know, too big I for me too. Don't want to alienate those other groups that are a key part of your business as well. Yeah. You know, so you know, I, I think it's good that they're embracing all levels. You know, the card companies, collectors, etc. I think it's good that we're trying and embracing new things. That's definitely needed more in the hobby. We just got to be aware of the pratfalls and the problems that could come with them. Well, it, you know, it's always an interesting topic. It, this won't be the last time we do it. Like, I'm definitely going to get a round table going for that. So we'll have you on again. So Mr. Olds, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. You got anything else to add? 
in the in the card world. It seems like it's kind of <laughs> slow. I mean, Ginter came out. Goodwin, you know, Ginter, Goodwin, yeah, Golden Age, Golden all Age. within a week or two of each other. That's kind of cool they're cannibalizing each other, competing yeah. with each other. <laughs> I don't but, know. I mean, it's it's a it's oddly a busy time, but it's not. Yeah, you know, it's it, this is I, to a degree this might be the typical summer kind of thing where you get so much at once you get overwhelmed and then you kind of like all right, what's next? Yeah, yeah. You know, so. But I mean, you know, Bowman came out. Bowman football. Yeah, well, that, and football switch over to that side. It's all heat starting to heat up too. I, you yeah. know, I don't know. For for me, I, there's so much going on that I tend to block a lot of it out. To tell you yeah. the truth, I have to focus on what I can focus on. Exactly. And even that's too much sometimes. But you know. Uh, Bringing it back to the big topic, group breaking, actually. I wrote my column in Beckett Baseball about my first group break this time okay. in this upcoming issue. And, you know, the cool part about that is is group breaking with its affordable accessibleness to high-end brands, you know, it, it allows you to explore without some of the, the having to really dig in economically real hard. I bought some of my first football cards in a while mm. just by doing breaks. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, like I said, I don't want to ruin the end of my column, but that right there kind of says it all. If <laughs> yeah. the baseball guy's buying football cards just because it's yes, enticing, something's maybe that's right. a good thing for the hobby as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Well, as as far as baseball and uh, the baseball magazine goes, I really hope that the San Francisco Giants make it to the cover soon, uh, uh, because I, I feel know. like uh, Gerald Posey isn't isn't what the what he used to be. <laughs> well, hey man, if they win the championship and you know sweep the Tigers like they did and. 2012 maybe yeah they, we had we had tim let's come on the cover twice buster posey yeah. on there once then they won it all the last time around we had uh, pablo sandoval which there you go. that was a risky one but it wasn't it wasn't the risk i thought it was going to be yeah. so you know what if they win it that's a, that's potential but our, our, our uh, cover out now is my um, masahiro tanaka obviously with the oh, yankees yeah. uh the cover coming is our tony gwynn issue that's going to be a big one yeah it I, is i mean know. he's definitely a legend but in terms of card as a as a seller he's not as popular as you might think but I think with um, his passing, I think that right. would be a collectible issue. Yeah, I I guess, it's a, it's know? a cool issue. Yeah. It, it, we sent it to the printer recently, and then obviously looking forward, I think the next issue is going to be the Derek tribute. Der- uh, I messed up my words. <laughs> the Derek Jeter kind of before he retires issue. Yeah. Kind of the last hurrah yeah. issue. So. Which, by the way, they're coming. The Yankees are coming to Texas. I'll be checking out a game here in a couple of weeks. I can't handle the heat. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We appreciate it, and uh, you yeah, have a good one. All right. All right, so that was a pretty good interview from Mr. Chris Olds. That really just wraps it up. It was a pretty quick uh, pretty quick show this week. We're kind of ramping up for the national here in a few weeks. So uh, if you guys want to check us out, we're going to have a big, awesome booth uh, for Beckett Media. So definitely come by, say hey. I'll be there with my radio equipment. So if you want to get on a show, I'm going to be doing a collector show uh, just for the national. So we'll get all you guys uh, talking about your greatest pulls. Uh, greatest products, all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I guess that about wraps it up for me. I'm Derek Ficken. Thanks for listening to Beckett Radio. If you guys want to check us out on Twitter, uh, hit us up at Beckett Radio. Uh, and if you have any questions, just email us, uh, radio at Beckett.com, and I'll try and help you as best as I can. So, well, uh, yeah, that about wraps it up, guys. Thanks a lot. I'm Derek Ficken. You have a good one. <laughs>